Welcome back to A Lamp Under My Feet. My name is Ron Kelly, and uh, if you're just listening to me for the first time, I want to say welcome. Thank you for listening. If you listened to my two uh, two previous podcasts, I want to say thanks again for uh, listening to those, and thank you for uh, spending your time listening to those and spending your time listening to this one. So uh, whether you're a newcomer or a recurring listener, thank you for uh, tuning in with these. Um, I do want to give a little bit of an apology. Uh, I intended to post, uh, I think, two, one before New Year's or, or one before New Year's and one shortly after New Year's before the 10th of January, and th- neither one of them got posted. Um, I've got a, an adjusted work schedule right now, and uh, because of that, it's going to affect my upload schedule on these podcasts, so I really only have the weekends to do them. So I do want to say um, if you were trying to listen to those that I had planned on uploading and did not see them up, it's because I wasn't able to upload them. I do apologize for that. However, uh, I do want to take this opportunity to explain my upload schedule. So from here until further notice, I want to post at least one every couple of weeks. And if there's any kind of adjustment to that, um, I will also put a brief announcement out for that. And I'm going to try to squeeze in a couple here and there if I'm able to do in between every couple of weeks. But that's that's roughly my, my new upload schedule. It's going to be about once every couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at right now just because of my work schedule. Um, so thank you for that, uh, for, for bearing with me on that. And uh, let's just go straight into this. So today uh, I want to talk about something that happened maybe about three coming up on four weeks ago is when I really uh, felt... Um, something in me kind of shift about this particular topic. And uh, I want to talk about accepting sexual culture, accepting sex culture. And um, so, yeah, let's talk about that. So about three weeks ago, um, I was doing a, well, I wasn't giving this class, but it was a class I was in. It was a virtual class for uh, sexual harassment, inappropriate behavior in the workplace, that kind of thing. And um, there was a lot of stuff that came up and um, it's not necessarily new things, uh, it wasn't anything that I haven't heard before. However, this was stuff that I had been, uh, I, I guess a, a good way to put it is stuff that you, you know, things that you've heard, things that you've been in, in classes where these things were discussed before, but you, you know, you either tuned it out or you really weren't paying attention or you really just, you know, were trying to get through the class. So you weren't really caring. You were like, okay, yeah, I get it. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Um, but not really what was being taught, but the, the eye opener for me was realizing just how much uh, the acceptance of openness about sex. And I don't mean like, you know, people being aware of sexual activity or being, you know, and I'm not talking about like the birds and the bees talk that you get from your parents or from sex ed in school or whatever else. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the acceptance of how perverse sex outside of the covenant of marriage is becoming uh, such a, such a welcome part of our culture and uh, I really felt kind of almost in a I don't want to use the term righteous indignation but I do want to say that it definitely was a little bit upsetting to me uh, something that I noticed and it's something that kind of just didn't sit with me uh, so much so to the point where I'm sitting here three weeks later I'm doing this podcast about it and it's something I feel um, I feel very passionate about now and um, I want to talk about this from a biblical perspective so Having prefaced all that, I, I do want to, you know, lead off with that about how, you know, sexual openness, acceptance of all this sexual culture has, uh, you know, it's become ridiculous and you see it all over the place.
it's becoming really prevalent in commercials. Um, you know, like I'm not in any way endorsing them. I don't really even know what it's about, but I remember there was a period of time where GoDaddy commercials were really big and, um, uh, I'm not exactly sure what was going on with all that, but the commercials were very sexually charged to where they always found these uh, really attractive looking women in a very scantily clad way. And they always had an innuendo filled commercial that led, you know, it was always targeted towards men, but it was a very sexually charged commercial. You see a lot of commercials for Hooters, you know, the restaurant. Um, there's a lot of TV shows that have increasing amounts of sexual innuendos. I mean, even going back, you know, uh, to shows from the 70s and 80s. And, you know, Friends, even in the 90s, early 2000s, um, there's all these different television shows where it's increasing amounts of sexual innuendos. Talk shows have all these different things going on. Um, posters at malls and stuff like that. You know, these different things that you see all the time. Commercials for uh, fragrances for different companies and clothing and shampoo. You can't even watch a toothpaste commercial now without somebody being, you know, half naked. And it's not a new concept, okay? So like, I'm not reinventing, reinventing the wheel here. Sex has always been something that has sold uh, a lot of a lot of products, you know, they've always got this thing. Okay, well, sex sells, and it's always been kind of a mantra, you know. Like people say, okay, well, oh, well, you know, sex sells. That shouldn't be something that we accept. Okay, like let me let me say that one more time. Just because it's uh, something that works doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it. Um, cheating on a test works, but if you're in a certain collegiate environment, you will get expelled. You will get suspended. You will get kicked out of school for these things. So just because it may work, just because it may quote unquote be effective, doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it acceptable. Doesn't make it a legitimate way uh, to do things. And so I want to counter this whole idea that sex sells. Um, but it's not really that I want to focus on that so much as the, the, the consequence of that. So we as Christians, and I'm targeting this primarily towards Christians, we are becoming so numb to it. We, we see these things and we feel like we're powerless to stop it because, you know, you're watching television at your house and you may work at some job where you don't have any kind of influence or maybe your influence is very limited. Well, how are you going to, you know, combat this problem? How are you going to be able to change what the commercial, you know, except for, you know, maybe selling your TV, what are you going to be able to do? I really, you know, I, and I understand that. I can, I can commiserate with that because I many times feel the same way. What can I do to combat this increasing sexually charged culture? How do I do, you know, as a Christian, as a believer, how do I stay faithful to the Word of God? How do I stay faithful to Jesus and the Holy Spirit in my life? And, you know, constantly being surrounded by this. And it's not just that I'm surrounded in a culture where this is part of the culture, but it's becoming, you know, the primary focus of the culture is becoming a very heavy, you know, music is just filled with it now. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, you know, I don't know about Christian rap itself, you know, where that's going or where that's come from and everything. And, um, but I mean, look at almost everything R&B, look at hip hop, look at rap. I, and if you listen to these types of music, you really shouldn't. I, I am going to say that. Like, if you're, if you listen to secular rap music and you're a Christian, you should probably reevaluate re your spirituality and and, and start reading the Bible more because you'll start noticing, you know, I think is that the Holy Spirit will lead you out of that. I really do believe that. Um, I think that listening to rap music is not, I'm not saying it's necessarily sinful, but why would you choose to listen to things about, you know, drugs, guns, and, you know, extramarital sex and popping bottles and getting drunk in the club and all these different things. Like, I mean, I know about it, a lot of it, because I listened to this type of music before at different points in my life. And not just that, but country music now. Modern country music, and I won't even say modern, I say country music going back into the 90s, maybe even the 80s. A lot of it has a lot of, uh, you know, sexually charged lyrics, sexual type of, you know, 
themes to it. Um, Luke Bryan songs, Jason Aldean. So I'm just throwing names out there. I'm not necessarily endorsing these people or, or slandering them either. I'm just saying that the reality is that if you're looking at it from a strictly perspective, uh, from a strict, pers from a strict Christian perspective, you see these things in these music types and you see these things in these types of television programs. So, you know, it's all around us, and you know I'm not going to go on much longer about that, but I do want to establish that I understand for Christians listening to this, this is a very real issue. This is something that you're constantly surrounded by, and you cannot escape the sexual influences of the culture, and it's getting worse and worse by the day. So now that we, you know, now that I've kind of beat that horse to death a couple times, um, you know, I know that there's, as Christians, we want to say, you know, what can I do about this? Um, you know, I feel like a lot of times we're almost afraid um, to address it. I think we're afraid to be seen as people who are judgmental. We're afraid to be called out by people um, as being, you know, haters or, you know, afraid to be, we're afraid to be counterculture because we're afraid of losing our acceptance with the people around us. And, um, and I get that, you know, so there's this, uh, scripture, 2 Corinthians 2.15, where it talks about um, the spiritual man judges all things, you know, and, and he himself is not judged. And it goes on to say later on in that same passage, I believe it's verse 18, talking about we have the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And it's not, you know, that we ourselves are able to judge things, but it is that we are given the authority and the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit within us to discern things that are sinful. And this, of course, is not on our own ability, but this is because of the Holy Spirit in us. So having said that, you know, if somebody's a Christian listening, I want to remind you that you do have an authority and you do have an ability through the Holy Spirit. It's not your own. It's not your own ability. You weren't, you know, inherently given it, you know, at birth. It was something that, you know, by your regeneration, by Jesus redeeming you and the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you are given the authority and the ability to spiritually discern sinful things, you know, and, and that way you know to stay away from them. And for people who aren't Christians who are going to say, well, yes, just being judgmental, you're judging. Well, Bible doesn't, doesn't the Bible say to not judge? Um, you're not supposed to judge. And there is a way of judging that you're not judging after the flesh. For example, I'm not going to judge somebody, you know, and say that I'm better than them in a sense of being self-righteous because I'm a Christian and they're not. But what I can do is say that certain behaviors are sinful because of the spirit that attached itself to those activities. And because of my authority in Christ and because of the spiritual discernment given me by the Holy Spirit, I'm able to look at this certain thing and say that this is sinful and I need to stay away from it. And if I know a brother or sister in Christ is struggling with it, I need to support them and help them get out of it. So I'm not talking about a position of judgment and hate. I'm saying we are given the ability to judge spiritually. And so um, that's you know something I want to remind you of as a Christian. If you're a Christian dealing with people around you, they're going to tell you that you're, you know, you're not supposed to judge. You are supposed to judge. You are actually told to judge everything. It's just that the way you judge it is going to be different than what the world sees. And the world's not going to understand that because when I say the world, I mean people that aren't Christians that are not saved. They're going to see it differently because they don't have that spiritual discernment. They don't have the Holy Spirit living within them. Now, before I go further into this, actually getting to the meat and potatoes of this, which I'm about to do, and I'm, I promise this isn't going to be a very long podcast, but I do want to say um, what we're not discussing is LGBTQ+. Uh, that community and the the, the, the sexual uh, you know sin of homosexuality and these different things that 
you know, that I think a lot of people are just waiting on Christians to pipe up about because everybody's got some kind of opinion that they want to share. First off, we're not discussing that in this podcast, okay? Now, points of the discussion, they may briefly touch on that, but I'm going to actually do a whole separate podcast about that itself. So if you're expecting me to get controversial about homosexuality, I'm really not going to delve into that. Um, If you're a gay person or lesbian or whoever listening to this, um, don't worry. I'm not coming for you. I'm not attacking you. I'm just talking about the biblical position on a lot of these things. And, and if you're listening, I'm actually glad you're listening and I love you. And I hope that Jesus through the Holy Spirit makes himself, uh, you know, reveals himself to you through this. What I am going to address is this idea of hookup culture and how our general acceptance, and I'm even going to say our actual embracing it, um, of sexual openness is actually embracing things that are directly contrary to the word of God. And um, so that's what we are going to talk about. Now, what I'm going to do in the next moment is I'm going to go into Scripture, and I'm basically just going to read off uh, straight from Scripture for about a minute or so from Matthew 5, 28, 1 Corinthians 6, from a few different verses in there, and then Colossians 3. So I'm going to just basically go in, and I'm going to you know, let you know what I'm reading from where I'm reading it. That way you can look at it later. But, I, but, you know, I'm just going to go straight into Scripture. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to examine it real quick. And that, you know, that should be the end of this. I'm not going to, you know, ramble on too much. I'm trying not to do that here. But um, so that's what we're going to do. So let's first go to Matthew 5, 28. And it says, um, let's just actually go to verse 27 so that we'll give a little bit of context. Because I like giving context, read the verses before and after it. Um, that helps, you know, supplement the reading of the Scripture to actually understand what's being said. But anyway, so Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Um, you have heard it said, or excuse me, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So briefly, before we go to the next scripture, I want to say that, okay, this is, you know, giving an implication that this the bigger sin. So we look at, you know, the Bible says, you know, in the Ten Commandments, I shall not commit adultery. Um, the bigger idea here is not just the physical act of sexual immorality, but also the condition of the heart that leads to these things. So he's saying, if you look at a woman to lust after her, to have sexual intentions with your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart because it's not just what you do with your body, but it's also the condition of your heart and your mind, you know, those things that lead you to it. And we, we, we always see this being said about, you know, well, your thoughts become your actions. Everybody loves to say that until you talk about Scripture. And then that's when people say, well, it's, it, it's, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch. No, you shouldn't look either, especially if you're married or in a relationship or something. Even if you're a single person, you shouldn't be looking at the opposite sex to be lusting after them. Now, I don't, and I know that's a difficult thing, and we have to continually be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We can't rely on our own willpower because we're never going to be good enough to, or strong enough to withstand that temptation. We have to have the Spirit of God strengthening us in order for us to stand before these temptations. So it's not our own power that we're able to do these things by. But the reality of this situation is with, relate, uh, with relations to the condition of your heart, You're, you can't, as a Christian, even look at somebody with the intention of committing sexual immorality with that person because it's not just about what you do, it's about what you think. It's about the condition of your heart that leads you into these things. So let's go into 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read verses 9 
through 11. And I do believe that the air conditioning unit just kicked on, so if it sounds a little bit loud in the background, that's what that is, and I apologize. Not sure if I'm going to be able to edit that out or not, but that's what that is. Um, but yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, for the next two passages of Scripture, that's what we're going to focus on here. Um, chapter 6, verses, let's just go, I'm trying to figure out, okay, so we'll start in chapter 6, verse 8, and we'll read through verse 11. Actually, no, let's go a little bit further down to verse 13 or so. Um, the, condi the, the context of this passage is, you know, Paul's addressing lawsuits among believers and sexual morality in the Corinthian church. And um, so that's who he was speaking to when he originally wrote this. But, you know, we still know that this is inspired scripture that he was given by the Holy Spirit, instructions on how to live and things to do as far as how we as believers should conduct ourselves. So this isn't something that's just for them. This is something that, you know, if it's in the scriptures, we can also apply it to our own lives. So that's kind of the context of what's being said here. So let's go read from verse 8. And um, we'll just go down from there. Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters, speaking of other Christians. Verse 9, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual, sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, and we can also say women have sex with women, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now he goes on to verse 12. Um, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And um, so we see here that Paul is very clearly telling the Corinthian church that these people who conduct these things are not going to be inheritors of the kingdom of God. So he talks about, he gives this laundry list of people and their sins and things that we should abstain from. Talks about sexual and sexually immoral people, idolaters, people who commit adultery, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers, and those who commit homosexual acts. These people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And now let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, same chapter. Let's go a little further down to verse uh, verse 18, all right? Let's go to verse 18, and we'll go through um, verse 20. He says in verse 18, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And then in verse 19, he explains uh, in verse 19 and 20 why it's important you don't sin against your own body. Do you not know, verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And, um, I mean, that's very clear. I'm not going to even add anything to that. Um, I think that's spoken very clearly of what it is. You're not your own, and um, you are to honor God with your bodies because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and those of us who are Christians are told to abstain from these things, not just because we want to be legalistic or follow some religious uh, tradition, but because we've been instructed that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us to give us the power to live according to the Word of God, and whenever we sin against, especially sin against our own bodies, we are not just sinning against ourselves or committing a sin against God, but we are committing a sin against the Holy Spirit who is uh, dwelling within us. And um, 
yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, re reemphasizing that, but I'm not even going to add to that in that sense. Um, now let's go to Colossians chapter three. And in this one, I'm going to read, this is kind of like, uh, I tried to go through this and try to shorten the passage because I didn't want to bombard you with scripture. But I think that in this particular case, there's no other way around it. And this addresses so much that I'm just going to have to read. Um, honestly, just going to have to read the whole thing. It's not that long, so just bear with me. It's verses, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and let, and I think we'll go down to uh, verse 11. So it's about 11 verses. It's just a paragraph or so. And um, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When he says when you died, he's talking about your sin, your sinful flesh, your nature of sin has been nailed to the cross with Christ. Therefore, through his resurrection, we are made alive in Christ. Um, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. And he gives a list here. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its, of, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is in, or Christ is all and is in all. So we see here very clearly that it's saying, you know, and I do, and I do want to note here, when it says uh, filthy language from your lips, that's not just saying profanity, okay? That's also discussing, you know, gossip, slander, speaking badly about others, judging others with your lips, um, you know, in the, by the ways of the flesh, you know, all these different things. And, um, you know, so it's not just talking about cussing. There's a lot more there um, to unpack that I'm not going to get into, but I did want to note that that's not just talking about profanity. You need to watch not just, you know, language you say, but also the things that you talk about. So anyway, now that we've, uh, you know, went through those scriptures and uh, I'm not going to, you know, bombard you with any more, let's talk about what is the clear common denominator with these things. So with that, we see that the, denomina the denominators, excuse me, are first off, we're to flee from sexual morality, and that God will judge it. And when I say it, I mean specifically sexual morality in all of its ways, right? So when I say sexual morality, in case it wasn't more clear before, we're not just talking about, um, you know, sex. I think that's kind of been established here. We talk about, you know, Matthew five. We think about all the verses we just talked about. We're talking about, you know, all forms of sexual morality. Anything that's not, an, you know, a sexual relationship that's between a man and a woman in the covenant of relationship or the covenant relationship of marriage that God established. If we're not talking about that, everything outside of that is sexual immorality. That's, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, having sex. So if people talk about, you know, well, you said homosexuality is a sin. Yes, it is. Scripturally, it is. But also, if you're in a heterosexual relationship and you're not married and you're having sex, then yes, you also are living in sin as well. So I'm not discriminating here because the scripture doesn't discriminate. It does address both things of sexual immorality. So let's just be clear about that. 
okay? Um, the second point that I want to focus on with that is that those who continue to practice these things and they refuse to repent and turn to Jesus for redemption, forgiveness um, will not come to them. They will be, uh, or they will not inherit heaven, and they will spend eternity separated from God forever in hell. I know that's a little bit of a harsh way to, to say it, but I mean, honestly, that's, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody alive in this. I've heard it said before, there's no preacher alive in America that has come against sin as harsh as Jesus did. So people talk about, you know, hellfire, brimstone, hard teaching, hard preaching, whatever like that. He does it. He preaches too hard. Not, not talking about me, but other people. And it's like, okay, yeah, um, they might, but they didn't say it half as harshly as Jesus probably did. So let's be real here about this. Um, if you do these things, you live in your sin. Once you realize it's sin, okay, that's even, you know, once you know that it's sin and you continue to live in it and you, you turn away from Jesus, you say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to turn away. This is comfortable to me. I enjoy it. It makes me feel good. I'm going to continue to live in this. And I don't care about this. Christianity. I don't care about God. I don't care about Jesus. I don't care about what's right and what's wrong. I only care about satisfying my flesh and what I want to do. If you have that mentality, your heart is hard, and unless you repent of your sins, and I'm not talking about just people that commit sexual immorality. This is anybody who commits sin and refuses to repent. This is me at one point. This is you at one point. Every person alive has to come to the realization of repentance of their sins. To turn away. Repenting means to make a decision to walk away from it, to follow Jesus and say, Lord, I need your help. I need you to, to, to make me new. I need you to give me your desires. I need you to cleanse me of all this wickedness and evilness that I have within me. Because apart from you, I can't do anything. And that's basically where you've got to come. You've got to come to a place where you hate your sin more than you... Uh, you know, more than you enjoy it. And you've got to say, God, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. Now, unless you repent, unless you turn away from it and genuinely repent and turn away from it, you're going to be separated from God for eternity. You're going to spend eternity in hell. There is heaven. There is hell. Everybody wants to believe in heaven, but nobody wants to believe in hell. No, there is a very real hell and it's where you're punished for sin. Now, if you repent of your sins and turn away from them, then yes, you inherit heaven. Not because you deserved it, but because you have accepted what Jesus has done for you. And we'll get more to that in a second. But, but what does this mean? Let's go back to sexual morality real quick. What does this mean? What can we do? So we know that these things are going to increase and increase and increase, and it's going to get worse and worse the closer we get to the coming of Jesus. And honestly, this is the way it's been prophesied all the way back in Matthew 24. Jesus himself said this, that, you know, so is it as it was in the days of Noah and, uh, and, and Lot, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So we know that... Um, you know, Jesus said, you know, you're going to see me coming the day that, you know, the day that I'm coming is going to get closer and closer. And this is one of the ways that you're going to be able to tell is that the, the sins that were around the days of Noah and the days of Lot, uh, mostly sexual sins, if you look at it scripturally, these things Jesus has already said. And if the Son of God said them, they will happen. So we know that it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. But that leaves us with a paradox of like, now what do we do, you know? Because the scripture does not contradict itself. It's not going to say something that gives us no hope. But he says, okay, this is what's going to happen. Now, let's, let, let's look at that. What are we as Christians to do about this particular issue? First off, um, we're told to watch and pray. Okay, We're told to stay alert, stay sober, stay sober-minded, and pray. Uh, we're, we're told that you know, as we see this, the day of the Son of Man approaching... Um, 
as we see Jesus' return drawing closer and closer, we're told to not forsake the assembling of ourselves, which with COVID, I believe, is something that we need to especially listen to more and more. Um, it, I understand health concerns and risks and things like that, and I'm not going to pretend like they're not real. And I'm not going to say that if you're sick, you should go to church. But if you are able to go to a church and uh, it's open, your your local church where you've been going or something like that, you are not, by Scripture, um, you are not supposed to forsake that. You are supposed to continue to assemble as believers. Um, you can read that in Scripture yourself, actually. Just Google it. I think it'll be it'll speak better um, than I'm able to, um, obviously, because it's God's Word, not mine. Um, but yeah, we're told to put off all forms of sin from ourselves, you know, everything, not just sexual morality, but everything. We're told to seek God while he may be found. That's in the Old Testament also. And New Testament talks about that all over the Bible. Seek God while he may be found. And we are to share, this is the Great Commission, to share the message of the gospel with all those around us so that they also may be saved from their sins and may know the salvation and the peace of a life that's led by Christ. And um, so, you know, that's kind of what we're told to do, you know, sanctify ourselves, you know, um, and when I say that, I don't mean that we're able to sanctify ourselves, but I do mean that by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit leading us, we repent of our sins as the Holy Spirit continues to show us our sins. We continually repent and we grow in righteousness by spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word of God, forsaking our sins, seeking after God. Um... And we share that message of the gospel that gives us hope and gives us peace and gives us salvation. We share that with those around us because we, other, if we don't do it, who will? If we don't spread the gospel, who will? Jesus told us to do it. He told us to go into all the nations and preach the good news, making disciples of, of, of all the people. So if we don't do it, not only are we, who's, not only are we faced with who's going to do it, but we're also disobeying what Jesus said right before he was you know, taken back up to the Father. So if you're a Christian, that should worry you a little bit. Now, um, I'm not going to go and you know beat people down on that, but now let's finally, let's wrap this up to what if you're one of the people in the categories of sinners that we talked about? What if I'm one of those people? Um, first off, I want to say this is not by accident that you're listening to this podcast right now. This is a moment that God has chosen to reveal to you that there is grace and forgiveness and mercy available. Okay, so understand that this is not an accident that you're listening to this. And if you um, do feel a conviction in your spirit, that's not me. That's the fact that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through his word because of the scriptures and because of the truth of what's being spoken about right now. This isn't my words. Okay, this is stuff that I've tried to pull directly from scripture, directly from the word of God. And if you feel that move, I just want you to I want to be I want to say it three and four and five times even. This is not an accident. So first off, you need to acknowledge your sin. You need to realize that what you have done is disobedience to God. And because of that, you're worthy of judgment. Okay, you're worthy. The penalty for sin is death. But Jesus suffered the penalty of death for us that we deserved. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he was raised from the dead to justify you and make you legally right with God. Okay, now he, he died and he rose again to justify us. That makes us legally right with God. By believing on Him and what He's done for us, you accept that it is only because of His blood and His death on the cross that you are saved. You ask Him to forgive you and to cleanse you of your sins. Say, Lord, I'm guilty. I admit my guilt and I need you to forgive me and cleanse me of it. And you alone are the only thing that will save me. Your blood is the only thing that can wash away my sins. 
By believing this, confessing it, and believing it in your heart, you are made new. And all the wrong that you've ever done is gone in God's eyes. And yes, it is that simple. By believing, by truly believing, truly repenting, truly choosing to follow God and, and forget your sins, for you know, turn away from them and say, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I need your help. I need your Holy Spirit to pull me out of this that I've, I've gotten myself into. And I need, I want to live for you. By doing this and meaning it, by being sincere, not just so, not saying a bunch of words, but it's the change that happens in your heart that's the, tr that's the evidence that you've truly repented. I think a lot of times we sit and we say, okay, well, we say a sinner's prayer, so we're saved now. That doesn't mean a lot of times people get confused. You're not saved by magic words that somebody might lead you in. That's why I'm not going to tell you a certain prayer to say. But I will say that if you acknowledge what you've done, you say, Lord, I, I, I've done these things. I confess my sin. I've, I'm guilty. I'm deserving of wrath. I'm deserving of judgment. I deserve to death for what I've done. But Jesus suffered for me. He died for me, but he was risen from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now because he lives, I have hope. And I ask you to cleanse me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. You ask him to forgive you of your sins. He's promised that he will forgive you. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He also says it's not, any, not his will. It says it's not God's will that any should perish but all come to salvation through repentance. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to be shut out or not be saved. He's made it. He literally has sealed a promise with his own blood to forgive you of your sins. And if, he's, if he literally gave his own blood for it, you can promise that he is going to see it through and he's going to be faithful to you. He said, I make all things new. He is making you new now. And, and all the wrong that you've done, every sin is gone in his eyes. He's forgiven you. He's cleansed you. He will not remember it. Now, with that comes a responsibility to continually repent, continually turn away from your sins. As the Holy Spirit reveals things to you, you're not just going to be saved once, okay? Yes, you do have that initial conversion moment where you say, I have received Jesus as my Savior, but now I have this responsibility to continue to live for Him. And as the Holy Spirit continues to teach me and lead me, He will continually point out things in your life that need to go. He'll continually point out sins in your life that you need to ask forgiveness for. And you will do this over and over and over until you die or until the rapture comes. But you can trust that every day of your life, God is going to have his arms around you. He has covered you in the blood of his son. Jesus is now your savior. You have an advocate with the father. You are no longer condemned, but you are made righteous before God. You are made righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus. And you have redemption and forgiveness of your sins. And you can walk in the peace, knowing that you are right and you are at peace with God. But, like I said, that peace does come with a responsibility. Get in the Word. Get in the Bible. Start praying every day. Start reading the Bible. Find a Spirit-filled church. Don't just go to the first church you find, but start researching churches. Start looking at churches around you. Try to find a, a good Holy Spirit-filled church around you. Um, get plugged in. Get, you know, become part of the community of that church. Get around other people of the same faith to help build you up and lead you in your walk with Christ. Um, continue to repent. Continue to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in your life and submit to Him. That's the main thing I can say. Submit to Jesus. Submit to Christ. Don't just rely on one prayer to be the all in all. You have to continually every day submit yourself to Jesus and say, Lord, today I may not even feel like obeying you, but Lord, you are my King of kings and Lord of lords, and I will submit to you. Because my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. You purchased me at the price of your own blood. 
And because of that, I do not have the right to make my own decisions in this anymore. I'm going to follow what your spirit says. But in order to do that, you need to walk with the Holy Spirit. Now, I say all that. I don't try to, you know, end any kind of podcast. I don't try to end anything um, just sounding like I'm, you know, beating you over the head with the Bible. I do want to give that invitation to grace, invitation to mercy, and let you know that no matter what you've done, it's not too much for God to forgive. So I... Once again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I want to, you know, thank you for tuning into this. Uh, like it, share it, whatever you want to do. Invite somebody else to listen to it and, uh, you know, spread this around word of mouth. I think it's important that as, especially in these times of, uh, you know, COVID-19, 2020, 2021, the pandemic, all these things, it's important that we help build each other up. And I hope that this podcast, this episode and the other episodes that are, you know, before and after it, I hope that that's the goal of this and that's what happens. So thank you for listening. Um, Much love, all the peace of Christ to you and your family. And um, I'm actually recording this on a Saturday. So uh, if you're listening to this this weekend, um, have a good weekend. Be safe. Um, If you're listening to this, you know, sometime next week, have a good week. Um, in, in, In any case, thanks again for listening and God bless you.